Today's scripture reading is from the book of Matthew, chapter 6, verses 16 through 18, and Matthew, chapter 9, verses 14 through 17. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Chapter 9, verses 14 through 17. Then the disciples of John came to him, saying, Why do we and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? And Jesus said to them, Can the wedding guests mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and they will fast. No one puts a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, for the patch tears away from the garment, and a worse tear is made. Neither is new wine put into old wineskins. If it is, the skins burst, and the wine is spilled, and the skins are destroyed. But new wine is put into fresh wineskins, and so both are preserved. The word of the Lord. We want this season in the life of our church to be about far more than just raising funds for this initiative. We want it to be a time when we ourselves grow spiritually beyond where we are to a new place in our walk with God. And we're praying it's a a time when we'll grow beyond where we've been in our lives of prayer, in our study of scripture, in our commitment to our own discipleship and the discipleship for others, in our commitment to stewardship and all that concerns our life with God. And that's why today we're talking about a subject that may be new for some, uh, and it's the subject of fasting, fasting along with prayer for a closer walk with God. Now, We won't have time this morning to cover the whole scope of what the Bible teaches about fasting. And so to supplement the message this morning, we prepared a little booklet. Uh, We do this from time to time on certain topics. This one's just called Biblical Fasting for a Closer Walk with God. They're free. You can pick one up at the Resource Center, which is on your right as you exit this morning. And if you want to study it more, you can pick that up today. Now, what is fasting? A definition for biblical fasting might be as you see it on the screen. Biblical fasting is abstaining from food or other pleasure in order to give focused time to seeking God and His will for our own lives or for the lives of others. Now, I want to emphasize the word biblical fasting because there are other forms. Most major religions of the world practice some form of fasting. You may have a friend who's Muslim, and you may be aware that Muslims typically fast during Ramadan. But the type of fasting I'm talking about is the type of fasting practiced by Jesus, the early disciples, and God's people throughout the Old Testament, biblical uh, fasting. Now, there are a number of scriptural occasions where fasting is described and a number of different reasons for which people fasted. I want to look at only four. There are more in the little booklet we'll provide you. But in Scripture, people fasted, number one, to repent and humble themselves before God. In Joel chapter 2, God says, yet even now 
return to me with all your heart. And to, to return is to repent, to turn back to God with fasting, with weeping and mourning. The prophet Ezra uh, in uh, the book that bears his name, says, Then I proclaimed a fast at the river Ahava that we might humble ourselves before our God to seek from him a safe journey. Elsewhere in the Old Testament, you see people repenting, turning back to God. We often find this pattern with the Israelites in the Old Testament. They turn away from God and worship idols. They suffer as a result. And then they returned to God, and sometimes that returning, that repentance, included fasting. A related reason is to receive his mercy for themselves and their nation. A number of fasts in Scripture were fasts for an entire people, where leaders called people to fast. Queen Esther called her people, the Jews, to fast that they might be spared. And indeed, God intervened, and they were spared from destruction. But this was not just the Jews. When Jonah, the prophet, went to preach to the people of Nineveh and proclaimed they were going to be destroyed, the king of Nineveh called the people there to turn to God, the true and living God, with fasting and repentance, and God spared them from destruction. So self-humbling, uh, repentance, turning to God. I just want to say here, Praying and fasting for your nation is a biblical thing to do. We think about our own nation today and the needs that exist in our nation. I hope it will be God's people who lead the way forward in the midst of all the political divisiveness, in the midst of everything we see, see happening on each side of the political aisle, as well as just uh, various forms of immorality in our nation. God calls his people to come together to pray for their nation. The Bible says, first of all, we're to pray for kings, for those in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. God leaves it with his people to pray and seek him about change in a nation. That's one of the reasons people fasted in Scripture. Another reason was to receive his guidance. Paul and Barnabas were worshiping the Lord and fasting with other early church leaders when the Holy Spirit spoke and said, set apart Barnabas and Saul, and Saul was Paul the Apostle, the name became Paul, for the work to which I've called him. Now, this was the launching of the great world missions ministry of the Apostle Paul, along with his friend Barnabas. And this guidance came as they were worshiping, seeking God, fasting. Maybe you need guidance in your life right now. Maybe you're facing a major decision, possible career change, job change, move, whether to marry somebody. These are times in life where it's of great value to turn to God, to seek God. Maybe consider fasting. It's a biblical pattern that we find that God often provided guidance for his people. Further, to receive God's empowering. When Paul and Barnabas appointed elders in the churches, they prayed with fasting. Why did they do that? So God's anointing, the anointing of his spirit would be upon these elders to properly lead the church. The greatest example of someone fasting in scripture is the example of Jesus. And in both Matthew chapter 4 and Luke chapter 4, we have the record 
of Jesus going into the wilderness 40 days where he was fasted. This is remarkable to me that Jesus would have done this. And it's especially remarkable because Jesus began his public ministry at about 30 years of age. Think of it now. Jesus only lived to be 33. And he waits until he's 30 to begin his public ministry. We know almost nothing about his early years except for what we find in the Gospel of Luke about his birth and then several verses about his childhood. And then until age 30, he's hidden from public view. And then he appears and he is baptized. And he's got three years, this very short window to do on earth all he's going to do. And what's the first thing he does? He disappears from public view again. This time for 40 days, he's alone with the Father. He's praying and he's fasting, the Bible says. He's tempted by Satan. He overcomes the devil. Where Adam and Eve fell into sin, prayed to Satan's temptation, Jesus overcame every temptation. And this is what Luke says when he left the wilderness after that season of fasting. Jesus returned and the power of the Spirit to Galilee. And his ministry begins with great, great power. Some of the reasons that I think we see fasting practice in Scripture. Now, there are at least three types of fast mentioned uh, in Scripture. They're not defined in this way. These definitions come from a book called God's Chosen Fast by Arthur Wallace. But types of fasts are these. Number one, uh, a normal fast. A normal fast would be going without food, but not without water. We assume this is how Jesus fasted, because when he was in the wilderness, um, the Bible says afterwards, after the 40 days, he was hungry, but it doesn't say he was thirsty. When Satan tempted him, he tempted him with bread, not with anything to drink. So we assume Jesus drank water. This is a normal fast. A partial fast would be the type of fast we see practiced by Daniel. Daniel, who was thrown in the lion's den. Daniel of the Old Testament. The book of Daniel begins in chapter 1 with Daniel and his friends being brought before the king. And Daniel being asked to, to abstain from the rich foods of the king and to live on vegetables and water. And then, in Daniel chapter 10, we see Daniel saying that for three days, he ate a restricted diet without meat and delicacies in wine. It's a time of focused praying for him, what we might call a partial fast. An absolute fast is a type of fast we see several places in Scripture where people go without food and water. A couple of these were clearly supernatural with Moses and Elijah. Nobody can live 40 days without food and water, but that's what they did. Clearly that was something supernatural. A few other cases where someone went three days without food and water, um, I'll, I'll personally say I have never fasted without food and water and would not recommend that to you unless you're familiar with fasting, you know God's called you to do it, and you have some oversight from a medical professional because uh, no one can live very long without water. Finally, related to the partial fast, this is one I would, I would suggest as not covered in the book by Arthur Wallace I referenced, but an alternative fast could include uh, 
fasting from desserts or fasting from sugar. This, this might be of value to uh, children is we want to include our children in this emphasis, part of our Beyond Initiative, uh, maybe going without desserts for a few days. Uh, that's why we're having our week of renewal this week. It doesn't overlap with Halloween. We were thinking about our kids when we did that. Maybe go without sugar for a while. Um, what about something more sacrificial? What about going for several days with no social media? No television, no internet use except as required by work. Would that be sacrificial? I guarantee you some are going to say, I would rather go a day without food than go a day. I, I guarantee you. But the key is to use that time for seeking God. And I, in and, and all seriousness, I recommend the alternative fast. Uh, my wife and I were without electricity about two and a half days last week after that storm. And, you know, the weather was just beautiful outside. We didn't need air conditioning or anything like that. And it was, it was so quiet in the house. Can't get on the Internet, no Wi-Fi, couldn't turn on the television. And there was, there was, certain, there was certain benefit. Wouldn't want to go too long without electricity. There was certain benefit. The normal fast is certainly the most common. Um, I've never gone on a real long fast. I have talked to people who have. I've talked, some people have gone 40 days fasting food. But typically when they do, they'll not only take water, they'll also drink juices and broths and, and things like this. Uh, so that would be, be the normal fast. Now, um, don't take it too far either uh, in be being real legalistic about what you do or too lax about what you do. When I, uh, when I first moved to Winston-Salem, uh, after college, took a job here as a sales rep for a company that sold business equipment. And um, I lived in Ardmore in the basement of a house there, a basement apartment there. And I had a Bible study for uh, single guys. There were a bunch of us guys in our 20s. And there was one guy in the group who was really committed to the Lord. He was he was on fire for the Lord. I admired his devotion, and he was facing a need in his life that was significant. And he told me he was going to fast until evening every day until he saw God do this miracle. Every day. I could not believe it. He was going to have only liquids. And I thought, How's, how's, how do you go to work every day? No breakfast, no lunch. I just couldn't do that. But only one meal for a guy you know, in his 20s, every day, liquid fast. And I admired him so much. I mean, I was super impressed with this until one day he stopped by my apartment to pick me up. We were going somewhere. It was about 11 or 12, about, about lunchtime. He drove over to his pickup truck. I met him in my front yard. He helped, hopped out of his truck, and he's holding a Wendy's Frosty. Yes, a Wendy's Frosty. He's on a liquid fast, and he's eating a Wendy's Frosty. How many of you have ever had a Frosty before? You know, you can only eat those with a spoon. You don't drink those with a straw. Unless they melt for a long time, they don't turn liquid at all. And you can fill up your stomach pretty, pretty good with a large Wendy's Frosty. Don't take it to extremes. Normal fast uh, without food but not without water. Now, back to what Jesus did. 
Jesus not only fasted, but he assumed that his followers would fast. The passage Amanda read earlier is from Matthew 6, the section of Scripture we call the Sermon on the Mount. And here in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus talks about three spiritual practices, fasting, praying, and giving. And he assumes his followers will do all three. And when you fast, don't look gloomy like the hypocrites. When you fast, anoint your head and wash your face. We would never say that Christians should no longer pray or Christians should no longer give. But many think fasting's not really something God wants us still to do today, is it? Elsewhere in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 9, Jesus was approached by some of the disciples of John the Baptist. John the Baptist was on the scene publicly before Christ. He had followers, and uh, these were the folks who came to Jesus and said, why is it that we practice fasting, the Pharisees practice fasting, and your disciples whom you've called to follow you are not fasting? Why is that? And Jesus said, can the wedding guests mourn as long as the bridegroom's with them? The days will come when the bridegroom's taken away, and then they will fast. What did he mean by that? Jesus himself was the bridegroom. The church is his bride. He would be taken away. He would go to the cross. He would die. He would be raised from death. He would be taken away, ascended up into heaven. He said, then my followers will fast. But he adds these words. No one puts a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment for the patch tears away from the garment and a worse tear is made. Neither is new wine put into old wineskins. If it is, the skins burst and the wine is spilled and the skins are destroyed, but new wine is put into fresh wineskins and so both are preserved. What does he mean by that? Jesus was the bridegroom. His church is the bride. Jesus was going to bring about a new relationship with God. He would die on the cross, and there he would bear the full weight of the judgment of God toward our sins so that through our faith in him, we could be credited with his righteousness. We would be brought into a relationship of complete acceptance by God in which God would call us just. That is, we'd be justified but not on the basis of our religious works, not on the basis of our fasting or our giving or our praying. The new wineskins about which Jesus spoke were, I believe, a reference to the new way of relating to God and fellowshipping with God. Yes, we would still give and pray and fast, but it would be done out of our love for God, our devotion to God, our response to the one has, who has secured our salvation by doing everything that could be done to secure it. Our giving, praying, fasting wouldn't be a way of trying to appease God or appeal to God or gain our acceptance with God. They would merely be done as a response to what God has already done for us and our love for Him and our desire for a closer walk with Him. And then Jesus stressed the need to fast with right motives. And that's the verse we've seen before, that we don't fast in order to impress others as the Pharisees did. This doesn't mean you can never let anybody know if you're fasting. Surely, close people close to you may know that you're fasting, people in your family. It doesn't mean you can't fast corporately with other people. 
as we have already seen in the scripture, Paul and Barnabas fasted with the other church leaders. But we don't do it out of a motivation to look impressive before others because of our religious commitment. Now, just a few quick thoughts about fasting. If you choose to fast, and I, I do encourage you in this coming week, you'll see in your bulletin a, a week of renewal focus. We are hoping this will be for our church a week of renewed devotion to God, which I think for many hopefully will include uh, some type of fast. If you practice fasting of any type, fast with a clear purpose. Fasting with no purpose is kind of like praying with no purpose. If you choose to miss a meal or two, to go on a media fast, have a clear goal. It might be as simple a goal as having greater love for God. Simply saying, God, through this sacrifice, I want to deny myself, and, and I want to come through this with a closer walk with you and a greater love for you. Maybe you have a great need in your, your family, uh, one of your children. Uh, I've known a number of godly parents over the years that fasted for their children, for a need in their children's life. Maybe it's someone's need for physical healing. Whatever it may be, fast with a clear purpose. And secondly, with focus, time, and attention. Don't try to fast on a day when your, your schedule is just loaded up all day at work or at home. Fast, uh, fasting should always be joined with prayer and devotion to God's word. Number three, fast with concern for the poor. The longest chapter in the Bible on fasting is Isaiah chapter 58. And the chapter, the context of the chapter is that the prophet Isaiah is rebuking God's people for their wrong fasting, for their abuse of the poor at the time of their fasting. And so God says, is not this the fast that I choose? And as you read that passage at the bottom, it says, is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house? And when you see the naked to cover him and not to hide yourself from your own flesh, the passage goes on to say in the next verses you'll see at the bottom there, if you pour yourself out for the hungry and satisfy the desire of the afflicted, then shall your light rise in the darkness and your gloom be as the noonday. If you have hunger pangs when you're fasting, let them remind you of the people who have no choice but to live with hunger pangs like that. Have concern for the poor. Maybe you, you would take the money you'd normally spend on food that day and, and use it to provide food for the poor. Related to this, our fasting should be done with obedience to God's word. The same passage in Isaiah uh, rebukes the people for... Uh, mistreating God's command about the Sabbath day. And the principle I think we should take is as we're fasting, we should be more closely aligning ourselves with God's word, his will, his way. I think of a season of devotion apart with God, a season of fasting is kind of like getting your, 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 the alignment on your car done. You're, you're, you're just in sync and a closer alignment in our uh, walking in God's word and will and ways. And then just finally, a couple practical suggestions, several really. Um, start with a short fast. Don't start out with a, a week-long fast or something like that. I remember the first time um, I tried fasting for one day. Um, I can remember lying on the couch in that little apartment in Ardmore where I lived 
and it was about one o'clock, and I had not had breakfast and lunch. I thought I was going to die. My body hurt. My head hurt. I felt weak. I felt horrible. I didn't see how I was going to make it until evening. And, uh, but God did something in my life, I think, that day that was significant spiritually. Start with a short fast. I I'm not a person who's ever done a lot of long fasts, and I, I find that um, for me to miss one meal, like to skip lunch one day, is, it's a significant sacrifice. But if I do that, I try to take that hour at least to spend it in prayer and in time with, with God. Uh, I used to do this when I was a sales rep, and I wasn't even working at Winston-Salem, and I was over in Greensboro, found a church where the pastor said I could come over there uh, anytime I wanted to. And he just let me go in the sanctuary at lunchtime and uh, one day a week, um, spend time doing that. Consider using money not spent on food to help the poor. And consider an alternative fast if you cannot go um, without food. And I, I really believe it's, it's going to be tougher for some of you out there to do without the social media, the television, the internet for a few days than it is to miss a few meals. So ask God what he wants you to, to deny yourself and um, let him work in your life. And again, just a quick overview, but you can pick up one of these if you want to study fasting a little bit more uh, at the Resource Center when you exit. Now, before we pray, I want to mention just a couple of things to you. Uh, first of all, uh, one of the great local ministries that we're celebrating this week is a Winsalem Rescue Mission. And Emily Davis, I think you're going to be out in the coffee bar near the, the mission wall over there, which is on the right wall of the coffee bar. There are lots of different volunteer opportunities at the Winsalem Rescue Mission. If you're looking for a way to serve uh, people in need, uh, this would be a great place to do it, and Emily can kind of help you connect with some opportunities there today. Secondly, we're calling this week in our church a week of renewal. Now, if you've got a bulletin at the door, inside you should have a, a half sheet that looks like this on card stock paper. And you'll notice there's a, a, a simple prayer focus and a verse for every day. And... Um, if it's helpful, stick this in your Bible, use this this week, and we're going to have a member of our staff in our prayer room every day this week from 12 to 1. And if it fits your schedule, if you're nearby, if you can drop in for part of all of that, stop into the prayer room. And if you're not, I want to encourage you this week to join our church in seeking God about some way you can fast something to draw closer to Him, to deepen your life of prayer, to deepen your devotion to Him. Maybe there's something in your life that you have realized has too much control over you. Maybe it's a television show you can't do without watching every week. Maybe it's social media. Maybe it's something in your diet. But if there's something that's got too much control, perhaps this is the week to surrender it to God and say, God, give me grace to do without this for a while. Not that it's a sinful thing, but something that, that you feel called to lay aside for a season. But do this not to try to earn points with God. 
Our acceptance with God was secured by Jesus on the cross. He paid it all. Let your fasting and your prayer and your spiritual practices be done to draw near to God in a close relationship, for deeper fellowship with Him, for greater power in your life to do His work and His will, His ways. Would you join me as we pray? Father, for anyone here who's never received the gift of all gifts, the gift of salvation through Jesus, would you remind them that it's not secured by fasting or praying or giving, but through faith in what Jesus did when he died in our place, when he became our substitute, the lamb who was slain for our sins. For those of us who do know you, would you work in us a longing to have a deeper walk with you? And show us how we can do that this week, Lord, as we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.